0: Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast. It's a seasonal treat where comedy and horror meet. I'm Rob Schulte.
1: And I'm Graham Young.
0: Hey, we did test out that uh, that intro, but I'm glad it worked out well, Graham. You winged it. Yeah. Fuck it. We'll do it live.
1: Yeah. Well, that's where the old instincts come in.
0: <laughs> You've got those instincts, buddy. You. This isn't your first rodeo.
1: Yeah, good to be back, Rob. Good to be good to be back in the in the haunted house that we call Pumpkin Spice Podcast.
0: Yeah, and your house is looking haunted now. Of course, no one's going yeah. to see this video, but I'm loving how you've decorated this this uh, room. There's a little blood on the wall, a couple of uh, <laughs> sports, some sporting equipment. Yeah, I love it. It's tough. There's one thing that's not in your room physically, but metaphorically. It's in the podcasting room, and I call it an elephant. We haven't podcasted together since for many years. It's been a few years. We started this podcast in, what, 2016?
1: Sometimes in life, you kind of have to step away from podcasting until the heat dies down.
0: (laughs) It's true. It's true. Uh, Yeah, Graham, I think this is like, uh, if you love it, let it go. And if it comes back to you... Than you knew it was meant to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I think that we sort of took two separate roads that end up going to the kind of just like sort of meeting back up. Yeah. And so uh, kind of picking up where we left off now. uh Rob, we kind of dis- discussed that we won't be so much focused on franchises, but just kind of skipping around.
0: Yeah, I think like uh, our listeners, our dedicated listeners, will know that like this this podcast has taken many different forms since its iteration, and how you and I started it was like, okay, we'll pick a franchise, we will talk about every movie in that franchise, and then what that means as the franchise as a whole. And that's all well and good. But if you and I are going to come back to it, how do we change it for a new generation? How do we make a Pumpkin Spice Podcast 2.0? And I agree that I think one of the things that was difficult was like, it's it's fun to watch Every Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Like, that's great. Is it as fun to watch every Puppet Master movie. Maybe not so much.
1: That's what I was going to say. You know, I, I, I love how uh, our formula for uh, the first, you know, couple seasons, you know, where we, were go- where we were going over franchises, but you're absolutely right. There are only so many franchises that are worth talking about. And um, not to say that we've touched on everyone that's worth, that's worth being looked at in detail, but we kind of want to just um, go fast and loose with these yeah. in all crazy directions.
0: Yeah. Well, we want to be able to take tangents and like, you know what? I recently rediscovered Alligator 2. We need yeah. to watch it, you know? And like, there's a reason why. But I don't want to wait until we're done. To Anyway, I think you and I get it. They must get yeah. it, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. The short story of it is we're back. Dinosaurs were back. Yes. <laughs> um, there was a a director that sort of came uh, up in previous discussions from our earlier seasons, and so uh, Rob had recently discussed- uh, Are you
0: talking about uh, I, when I was on Bill and Rob's An Excellent yes. Adventure
1: and I, I, I brought
0: up your Rennie Harlan impression?
1: Yeah, and <laughs> it, it hasn't improved at all. <laughs> it's great. But yeah- It got me thinking about, you know, again, and I'm probably repeating something from an earlier season, but when you're into movies, you sort of get maybe obsessed with somebody who's not the best in the world, not the worst in the world, but just is an interesting person, an interesting career, and is a person who makes interesting movies. And to me, Rene Harlan is just... A fascinating person, um, Rob and I talked briefly about what we both wonder what his relationship to Larry David is. Um, <laughs> in one of the later episodes of Curb Enthusiasm, uh, Larry goes to New York City and is staying at Rennie Harlan's house. And like, how do they know each other? I actually said, looked that up. Please enlighten me. So
0: totally made up. I couldn't find out the reasoning for the line in the movie, but like Rennie Harlan I don't even think knows Larry David. Like he found out about that line on Curb while he was like shooting a movie at that same year. And he was just like, what? I don't even own a place in New
1: York. It's so like oddly yeah. specific though. Like you have, like Larry's covering for someone and there's someone on his writing staff yeah. that ran into Randy Harlan and was like, uh, 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 Randy <laughs> Harlan's apartment. You know, like yeah. there's what? something, it's just too oddly specific. He is distinct. He
0: leaves an impression. What was it? Did he do Nightmare 4? Is that Rennie Harlan? Yeah. Dream Master. Dream Master. And I believe you're the one who said in our episode, that's when Freddy becomes James Bond.
1: Yeah. He wanted Freddy to be James Bond. And really, Freddy kind of becomes the protagonist.
0: Yeah. That takes a filmmaker. But... He didn't get asked to make another Nightmare movie after that. And I think it's because of some of his distinct choices.
1: He definitely switched the tone of the Mm -hmm. picture because three is scary as shit. Even as an adult. But four is a lot of fun. You know, I, I think that 20th Century Fox just snatched him from New Line Cinema before. I mean, I think their heads were spinning. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, he went on to do uh, Die Hard 2. Sure. And of Support Fairlane, Cliffhanger. What was the studio that distributed The Long Kiss Goodnight?
0: We just watched that for Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, which if people are hung up on needing franchises... You can go over there and get something like that.
1: Yeah, that's not our job anymore. <laughs> yeah, it is not.
0: Uh, but I'm going to look this up. Not 20th Century Fox, Graham. New Line Cinema.
1: Oh, so he went back to yes. the New Line Cinema
0: well. Very interesting. Very interesting. But I guess, you know, you know they say like actors, they're like, how could Andrew Garfield work with Mel Gibson on that war movie, right, and it's like, well, you don't always get a get a choice, you know you got to yeah. take work when it comes in, and I wonder if Rennie like was like, well, i I don't like how they treated me after Nightmare, but I love that they want to pay me to make a movie with my wife
1: well absolutely. And after the fallout of Cutthroat Island, which we don't even need to go oh, into, because yeah. that's kind of a notorious thing. But for him to get work after that was sort of a big deal. We never, you know, Hollywood never touched pirate movies again for until uh, the Johnny Depp Pirates Curse movies. What, Pirates of the Caribbean. Sorry. Yeah. I was like,
0: the one based Johnny off Depp's the
1: ride. Pirates of the Curse Caribbean. Yeah.
0: The Curse of the Ride at Disney. But there was that other, sorry, little tangent, but there was that other Pirates movie too, right? It wasn't like Walter Matthau in it or something?
1: Yeah, it's a Roman Polanski movie from 1986, and it's really good. Oh,
0: wow. Can I ask you a question? Sure. And this is far left field, but film related, okay? And then we'll get into today's episode, yada, yada. You saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, of course, I'm sure most of us did. When Roman Polanski is portrayed in that movie, he's like always wearing what I think the Maybe traditional garb for the time, but it's always like what I think most audience recognize as the Austin Powers outfit. Yeah. And I think that was on purpose.
1: Like, look at this goofball. That's a really good question because, yeah, he, he's playing it up with the ascot and everything. Roman was the the cool guy, the new kid on the block, and he had huge success in America from the get-go. I mean, he had success in Poland and, and even sure. before
0: that. I'm just saying like as a like as a film creator you choose what how the people are seeing the sure. people represent and maybe Roman Polanski would have worn that outfit but also there's tons of different fashion for that time and the choice was to be like all right this guy's maybe not the best person in the history books and let's put him in a clown outfit
1: that's Definite. Okay, yeah, I I definitely see that. I, I just
0: didn't know if that jumped out to you like it jumped out to me, but maybe it's just my close ties to Austin Powers.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I really think that it's just kind of showing what an ego this guy had, you know? Yeah. And. Not necessarily being a young guy in Hollywood at that time, but kind of dressing like a younger person. Sure, okay. I think that there's ego there, but also, you know, poking fun and in the way that he dresses, and also that, you know, uh, in in the movie they sort of suggest that the baby may not be his. Yeah, I doubt he's a huge fan of the film, Rob. Is that what you were asking? (laughs) (laughs) Probably, yeah.
0: Hi, Craig here from The Bachelor Masters Podcast. Do you watch The Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, The Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects Uh to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app. That's The Bachelor Masters, a bridge burner podcast. Let's get back on the Harlan train. We are watching Prison from 1987, which you have introduced me to. Now, we'll let our audience know that we've got an idea for how we're going to be choosing each episode's movie, which we'll get to at the end of today's podcast. But uh, Graham and I had done this without microphones and over the telephone before today's episode for a different movie. And then we kind of came to terms listening to old episodes and listening to be like, you know what? We talked about prison. We got to just watch and talk about Prison for the podcast. It's the best way to start this this new PSP 2.0.
1: Yeah, we, we go we pay tribute to a legend, sort of this film that's almost become a myth. Uh, so this is Remy Harlan's first American feature. He did a movie right before this called Born American. And I have not seen it, but I'm dying to see this. And just a quick synopsis is a trio of American students vacationing in Finland crossed the border into the USSR and are soon imprisoned following a skirmish with Soviet soldiers. This is sort of a common theme with Finnish directors. I don't wanna get off on too much of a tangent, he uh, does Born American, and in 87, while he was living out of his car, he was approached to do Prison.
0: Wow. I didn't realize he was living out of his car at the time. I'll tell you what, I've been trying to find a copy of Born American, and it has not come to fruition, but it is currently streaming on Tubi right now. So I was like, man, if I just like hey. looked at the free streaming services available to me. I can watch it. Um, Prison, I want to just read. I just Googled Prison 1987, and they usually come up with a little description of the movie on the right-hand side of the screen, so I'm just going to read that for anyone who hasn't been able to see Prison. All right. Creedmoor Prison becomes a supernatural battleground when the ghost of Charlie Forsyth a man executed for murder returns seeking vengeance from the brutal guard, Ethan Sharp, who was aware of his innocence. The lives of the inmates hang in the balance as Forsythe and Sharp lock in demonic combat.
1: There's a lot going on in that description.
0: Do they ever explicitly say that the dad from Son-in-Law? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh you know, like uh, framed this guy? No. I think it's supposed to be this like subtle thing in the movie where like that's why he's so tense. He's not just like an asshole warden. He like knows that this guy didn't actually deserve the death penalty. And he was the one who's like, ah, you know, we got to get him and, you know,
1: yee-haw, kill him. Yeah, that was a little unclear.
0: Yeah. Hey, and it could have been the volume issues of this film, too, because... Not to get too technical, but, like, the loud parts are very loud, and the quiet parts are very quiet.
1: Uh, there needs to be a better remaster, maybe. But, yeah, the, the, there was some sound issues on the copy dialysis, too, as well.
0: But we're not here to, like, nitpick that sort of stuff. I'm so sorry for even bringing it up. But, Graham, what are some of the things of prison that, like, really stand out to you? Like, why... If someone point blank goes, why did you choose this for the first episode of Pumpkin Spice? Why is it prison?
1: It looks great. The premise, there's a haunted house. But wait, it's not a haunted house. It's a haunted prison. Mm-hmm. And the prison's a scary place already. If you add some paranormal activities going on in there, it's going to get even crazier. It's a low budget indie picture that Rudy Harlan makes it look like a... Uh, a studio picture it's his first American film. Um, it It's I, from what I understand, they did not have much, uh, very much money at all, but it looks good. It looks really, really good. It really does. And like, the, I think that's, that's gotta be a
0: skill of Rennie Harlan's because I say this a lot and I've said this on previous episodes, but like, it feels like there are some people you can give pennies to and they will make something look like a blockbuster. And Rennie Harlan is one of those people. And I think some of it has to be that, like, you know, they're filming on a real prison. A lot of the extras were prisoners. So, like, those are really armed guards walking around the top. But, like, those are things that, like, when you fake it, Pasadena extra number four gets to be a guard walking. Doesn't actually know what guards are looking for, you know, it's just like, hold yeah. this gum and march back and forth. But like, if you're just happen to be filming a prison guard,
1: he's just going to do his job. Adds that authenticity. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that for a fil- first film, it's so competent and, it, you know, it's not perfect, but it hits the right notes. And I think I've read that Rennie Harlan himself maybe doesn't like this project so much.
0: You know, I think that's something to be said about first projects. You know, if I went back and listened to our, like, first or second episode of Pumpkin Spice, I would have been like, oh, well, I would have edited this out or I would have added this. And it's like, well, yeah, it's easy to say now with, like, a bunch of shit under your belt. That's not, like, a knock against the guy. But, like, when you look at this movie, like, is it slow in some parts? Sure. Does that take away from how visually awesome it is even in those slow parts? No. Is the Chelsea Field character necessary to the extent that she's used in this movie? Maybe not. But that's a tightened storyline that could have come with tightening the entire film.
1: He's necessary in the sense that she shows up at the exact point right moments yeah to sit, kind of save the day but yeah i guess they needed somebody on the outside working to get in as opposed to all the characters being in in the prison
0: 100 percent, and it can't just be like asshole warden and then semi less asshole prisoners it gives a little bit of zhuzhing to have some outside perspective within this movie. But this is a pure showcase of like some really cool set pieces and scenes. You know, yeah. there's a lot of great kills. There's a lot of great effects. There's a lot of things that, you know, lead you in different directions. Now, I did have a question for you. Okay. Did you think that Vigo Mortensen's character, was it Burke? I thought he was going to end up being Charlie Forsyth.
1: Yeah. That's
0: just what I thought the whole movie. You know, maybe he doesn't even know it.
1: Or he's like an ancestor to Sure. Yeah. The yeah. person who was wronged and being, you know, they're gonna take revenge through his body or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that doesn't
0: happen. It doesn't happen. It's just a ghost that can do whatever it wants once they bust open the electric chair room.
1: A uh, ghost played by who? I don't know. Do you uh, never Kane s-
0: is Kane the ghost? I-, I didn't know you actually like I know Kane was in the movie, but I didn't know Yeah, because there's a lot of just like stop animation in this film.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. And a lot of reverse photography, which looks incredible and very cheap thing to accomplish. When you were talking about set pieces, you know, I want to be very clear that, you know, when you ask what makes this movie so special, why are we talking about it? Because there are scenes that are seriously unnerving. And are frightening. Uh I think the uh worst one is the first kill in the prison with the guy in the cell and the fire. Oh yeah. That is ridiculously uh what am I trying to say here? It's just really get gets under your skin. And so from the get go, Rennie was a director, you know, he works primarily in horror and action adventure, but he's gonna take you on a ride, mm-hmm. you know. You yeah. may not get out alive. You watch a Rennie
0: Harlan film because you want to see a Rennie Harland film. You you don't go into a Rennie Harlan film expecting a Marvel film. You don't expect a Scorsese film. Yeah. You it, you expect a Rennie Harlan film. And you don't know that until you experience a Rennie Harlan film for the first time. Or live in his apartment in New York.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and again, we're going to get to the bottom of that because that story is BS. Yeah. I, don't, I don't buy it.
0: There has to be... Some sort of like cocktail party, Oscars event, something yeah. where Larry David or an assistant or a friend had a run in with Rennie Harlan. That just has to be the case.
1: I think back in 1988. 1988- Larry David took a date to the premiere of Nightmare on Elm Street part four. She wanted to go, he didn't, he went. And it spooked him, you know, really really got him scared. And so he's like, who directed that? Rennie Harlan! (laughs) And he just will not let that go. Has
0: to be. That's gonna be our lore for this until we hear different, you know? And so when anyone asks us or comes (laughs) up with like, you know, isn't it weird they bring up Rennie Harlan? Well, you know why that
1: is. Do you prefer your podcast to have solo narrators to two people telling private jokes? Are you looking for a podcast that is about true crimes and unsolved mysteries and not? I repeat, not. Two friends hanging out and rambling about nonsense.
0: You like podcasts that stay on topic 100% of the time?
1: If you answered yes to these questions and reenacted an Unsolved Mysteries podcast, it's not for you or the folks that left us those one-star reviews. We are just two pals who love the 1990s show Unsolved Mysteries and have no interest in actually solving mysteries from the episodes we watch and recap.
0: Come get spooked with me, Robert and my friend and relatively normal woman, Christo,
1: every two weeks as we talk stack, ghosts, UFOs, food, and occasionally crime on reenacted and unsolved mysteries podcasts. Special effects by uh, John Carl. I think you say Beekler, but I've also hear I've heard Bueller. Did Ben Stein just enter the podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bueller. Okay, so Renny Harlan worked with him on Prison, uh-huh. and then Rennie took him, and they worked on Nightmare Four together. And John Carl is the guy who came up with the soul pizza. Whoa. Yeah. He's a really interesting guy. And there's lots of really good interviews with him. Um, like any great special effect or uh, makeup effects person, like all the greats are just kind of like characters in and of themselves. And he is just uh, a character. He, you could, he's just fun to listen to. And he's got a lot of great stories and he's really good at what he does uh, and working on like no budget movies. Um, and working on Rob's favorite movie of all time, Garbage Pail Kids.
0: Of course. Hey, is it on the list? Tune in and find out (laughs) for the next episode. Um, (laughs) these are the sort of things that I love talking with you about, Graham, because I don't have this sort of knowledge of names and people and connecting them and, you know, tying that thread and like why, um that makes something else important. But when I hear that, like, you know, I loved prison, you know, I had a lot of fun watching this movie and be like, Oh yeah. Remember the pizza, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, soul pizza. the soul pizza. It's like, yeah, there's a reason that guy got taken to nightmare to make a soul pizza. It's because yeah. of the effects he did when the guy is doing some sort of black magic and cuts his chest open in prison, you know, like, I would never make that connection. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> well, you know, anyone who comes up with a soul pizza, and that's one of the most memorable things from Part Four.
0: Going from prison to Soul Pizza, what what an elevated job move!
1: Yeah, well, he's a jack of all trades. Rob, um, he directed Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, which is in my tops as far as that series.
0: Beekler did.
1: Yeah, that's the one with uh, it's like Carrie versus Jason, the telekinesis or whatever. And he brought Kane Hodder onto the picture to play Jason. Oh man, so he's responsible for that. Um, he did uh, special effects for and directed Ghoulies Three. Here's a, a movie. Um, if you just ever want to have a great time, and when I first moved to Austin, they showed this in 35. Uh, The Dungeon Master. The Dungeon
0: Master? Is that like Mazes and Monsters?
1: It's uh, not that far off. Uh, 1984. It's just a weird, wacky movie where they just, I think they have like a bunch of directors. It's kind of like all over the place. Charles Band. Hell yeah. Each segment is like a music video or it's like a, a science fiction thing or you know, it's a sword and sorcery thing, or it's a, you know, whatever thing. now.
0: I love that. Uh, one movie that popped up for me the other day, like I was, I was playing something in the background and then it like filtered over into what was on the next free streaming service. Oh, I was watching silent night, deadly night, part two, um, garbage day. Uh, yes. <laughs> And you can't, maybe you can hear my eyebrows move when I say that, listeners. (laughs) Uh, But it went immediately into deep red, which I've never seen. It's
1: it's primetime Argento.
0: Yeah. Okay. So anyway, back to prison. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you feel like you need to talk about before we start wrapping up today's episode? And I should say to anyone listening, just because we're talking about prison now, doesn't mean we won't talk about prison later. So yeah. if we're talking about another episode and we go, you know what I meant to say, I loved that um, Tom Lister Jr. from the, the Sublime video. If I had forgotten to say that, I could have potentially <laughs> said that in a future episode. But Graham, I want to make sure that anything that's currently on your mind, if you, that we haven't touched, we get to.
1: If you're a fan of movies by, let's say, Sam Raimi, Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of similar to Rennie Harlan in the sense is that they spend like every dollar of their production budget is on screen. They're doing absolutely everything they can do to, to, to move you, to shock you, to elicit some kind of reaction from you. Uh, another one be like Robert Rodriguez. Oh, you know, sure. Yeah. yeah. Rennie's just like one of those guys who is just constantly trying to engage the audience with every tool in the toolbox. And if you're a fan of films with those type of uh, mad scientist directors, don't skip on his filmography.
0: Yeah. There are certain directors that have a style and a style that will bring you in and not, and not let you go. It's like they hold you by the collar and it's almost like, like this sounds kind of highfalutin or maybe even snobby, but like, they respect what they're making, even if they know what they're making isn't going to like necessarily win an Academy Award.
1: That's such a great thing to say. And I'm going to tell you why, because uh, the history books and and sort of we're we're nearing years in. So everybody's writing their year in list and everything. But there are auteurs like Rennie Harlan that while they are directing a film directing actors build you know uh building sets and getting all this stuff he or she is constantly putting themselves in the audience seat and being like okay am i still engaged and is long kiss Goodnight gonna win best screenplay best picture you know i don't think it was probably nominated for anything yeah. that year as far as oscars go but it is worthy of cinematic legacy absolutely and so is prison for anybody who doubts rob and i go on youtube and just watch the trailer to prison it's it's visually stunning um and creates an atmosphere and again for those who haven't seen it or and are going to see it just brace yourself for that first prison kill because it is a doozy i mean it really does have an effect on you it really does Rennie Harlan knows the rules of the genre that he's working on. And there's a scene in prison, and Rob, maybe I'm crazy, where this kind of like skinnier, good looking guy is paired up with like this brutish bully guy. And they kind of stop it right there. Mm-hmm. And then in a later scene, he is locked outside of the prison. And the ghost is throwing pickaxes and he's like, no, no, no leave him out. Leave him, leave him out there. Yeah. He sort of hinted at there was some abuse going on. And what I, I do not know if this is a fact or not, but I feel like Renny filmed a scene that he knew wasn't going to be fun, that it wasn't going to work. And he basically shredded that footage to me. There's clearly something missing there. And I'm fine with that. What we have is great. I don't want him to go any further. But I think it's kind of clear to me that something was cut. The film is better for it.
0: Sure. And I think that like even if this is an early film for Rennie Harlan, he's a director that knows that his audience doesn't need to be spoon-fed everything. Like I think yes. there's an argument for. Viggo Mortensen's character, of Burke, being the ghost, right? But we don't have to have this, like, huge reveal at the end that it's like, oh, it's actually, I am the spirit of, and I didn't even know it myself, like I said earlier. Because I think Viggo Mortensen also plays Charlie Forsyth with the mask on when when they do the flashback at the beginning of the movie. He does. I think there's, like, this world where you could make these arguments because Rennie Harlan doesn't have to show you absolutely everything. And I think yeah. that's a good instinct you have. Yeah, there are a lot of tropes that go into prison films, especially prison films made in the 80s and 90s and prior and to today, I guess. Yes. He knows that like, well, you get what you get and you make the story. How do I want to say this? You make the story you want to tell, right? Right. And so if that means that there's questions that the audience has, or that it creates a conversation or a dialogue afterward, because this is what's presented to you on screen, I think that's great. You know, I just recently watched the second season of The White Lotus, and I'm kind of of this thought process, like there's a lot of people online once the season finale happened, and I won't spoil anything for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, but like, People are like, this is what the social dialogue is, and why didn't they show this, or why did they do this? And it's like, well, because life has nuance, and I and I think that like, not everything being told to you within a story makes a story better. And so, yeah. coming from your thoughts on this, that like, Rennie has scenes that he like may or may not have shot, or deliberately didn't shoot, or deliberately took out in an edit because it's not necessary. Right. Like yeah. we get it. And like sometimes it's a better storytelling technique to have people question things or to not be spoon fed all of the answers. And I'm, I'm right there with you, man.
1: I mentioned that just because I don't think Rennie's taken seriously. Yeah, I think he's looked at is sort of like a throwaway action horror film director. And from, you know, again, his first American film, he's aware of these things. He is an intelligent filmmaker that knows the rules mm-hmm. of, of the genres that he uh, makes his films in. And he, he, and um, I just think that he doesn't get the credit he deserves.
0: I'm right there with you, man. That's great. Well, if you've got thoughts on prison or Rennie Harland or Austin Powers costumes, leave them in the form of a five star review on Apple podcasts or Email us, hit us up on social. We've got a Pumpkin Spice Podcast Instagram. And, uh, Graham, we have one more thing to do on this show, though, don't we?
1: Yes. So we're playing around with how we're going to introduce these next films. Today, we have, or tonight, wherever you are, I've got two tickets to a genre movie. (laughs) I'm packing my bags. Yeah, there you go. So I have two tickets, Greyhound bus tickets. Unfortunately, you can only pick one. One of the bus tickets is going to Toronto, Canada. The Mm. other bus ticket is going to Dayton, Ohio. Oh, boy.
0: Dayton or Toronto. Let's see here. Wow, you don't give me much to to work with here because at the destination, I am going to assume... Is the movie I'm going to be watching?
1: Yeah, we didn't, you know, and we should leave this in. I, we didn't practice this. I didn't know if we were going to tell people what the movie was on this episode Ooh. or leave the mystery until we post it next time.
0: Well, I think this is a good behind-the-curtain discussion for the audience to hear. And yeah, you know, I want
1: them to know how like unprepared. Well, or how the sausage <laughs> is made.
0: Truly, yeah. Um, because you're very prepared because you've come up with a game for me to choose the next movie. Uh, I say leave it in because if they've made it this far, it's like a reward for them to be able to rush out and watch the movie and be able to prep themselves before our next episode, whenever that may be. Um, so I say, yeah, we, we, we play the game. I choose my ticket, and then you tell me what we're
1: watching. Rob and I are on a Greyhound bus to... Toronto, Canada. And that's what I'm choosing. I'm
0: choosing the Toronto ticket, by the way. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay.
1: And it's very smelly in this bus, and we can't wait to get off the bus. That's true. Okay, now we're off the bus, and now we're in Toronto. And we walk over to the movie theater, and on the marquee, it says Wicked World. It was made in 89, 90, and it was finally released um, a couple of years ago. It was finished. Uh, The filmmaker is Barry J. Gillis. He's probably most famous for starring and writing things. Have we talked about any Canadian horror films? Because I love them. I think it's time that we pay tribute to our friends to the north. And what I want to say about Barry J. Gillis uh, before going into next episode for you, Rob, and also the audience, is that um, this is an exploitation uh, genre filmmaker that has a lot on his mind. This is an artist that is searching for something. this is not a person who just wanted to make a em up film without a lot of thought or meaning. This guy has got an axe to grind, and you may not agree with his political ideology, and it might be frightening, <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna get through it anyway. Um, but I guarantee you will not be bored uh, with the film or next episode.
0: Oh, that's great, Graham. Hey, here's the thing, listeners. Uh, If you'd like to support this podcast, check out the links in the show notes below. I'm sure there's going to be something you can do to help keep the lights on here at the podcast. Graham, this has been another fantastic episode of Pumpkin Spice Podcast, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.